Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut or shortened due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listening colour in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was Lou Rawls with Nobody But Me, starting today's special edition of Jazz Shapers here on Jazz FM. Just like your regular Jazz Shapers, it's an hour of music from the Shapers in the world of jazz, soul and blues. But today we're joined by a previous guest who's back to update his story. Our guest on Jazz Shapers Encore is Sir Lloyd Dorfman CBE, the entrepreneur and philanthropist who founded the Travelex Currency Exchange business in 1976. He first visited us on Jazz Shapers back in April 2013. That's five and a bit years ago. Since then, he sold his remaining stake in Travelex, created Dorfman Media Holdings, co-founded the retail click-and-collect IT platform called Doddle, has sold a majority of his stake in the office group, and sits on the business advisory board of the Mayor of London. He's not very busy, is he? So Lloyd became the chair of the Prince's Trust in 2015, a trustee of the Royal Opera House, the Royal Academy Trust and BAFTA. He's also gained some significant accolades since his last visit. After serving on the board of the National Theatre for nine years, the Cottesloe was renamed as the Dorfman Theatre, while this year he was knighted in the Queen's Birthday Honours for Services to Philanthropy and Arts, following on from his 2008 CBE. Thank you very much for joining me again. Elliot, my pleasure. Lovely to see you. We worked it out. It's about five and a bit years. Yep. Now, you have done so much and continue to do so much. When you if you ever write your book. If chapter one is Travelex, what's chapter two going to start with? Where would you start? Well, I think as I started to sort of step away from Travelex, I was a bit concerned because I'd been sort of monofocused on building this foreign exchange business over 35 years at the time. A um, little bit uncertain, you know, uh, didn't have any hobbies or pastimes. My wife was always telling me, you know, what are you going to do when you retire? But I wasn't planning to retire. Um, and then I started to look at other business opportunities and I uh, ended up, I suppose, the, the, the biggest, most important one I did at the time uh, was to become the 65% shareholder and chairman of the office group, which was uh, a sort of pioneering, uh, flexible office business led by two great guys, Charlie Green and Ollie Olson. And uh, we became partners and we began a seven-year journey which uh, built this business up into a hugely successful business, which we ended up doing a deal with uh, with Blackstone uh, this time last year. Um, and great business. But even when I met you then, my sense was that was an interesting deal. It may have worked out as it happened. Of course, half a billion pounds sale to Blackstone, as you said, and I've had Charlie Green on the program a couple of times. Um, I couldn't have envisaged that happening. And I'm not sure you could have done either, if I'm honest. I mean, as you said, you were doing a number of things and that may have been the number one. But my sense was you were thinking, yeah, I think this is a pretty decent business. 500 million. I mean, that's not just a decent business. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it turned out better than we expected at the time. But but at the time, going back to 2010, well, 2010 when we did the deal, 
uh, although I'd met the boys a couple of years before then. Um, I wanted to invest in the property business, but was the property business waiting for me? And, and I was worried at the time because if I was being offered properties, why were they being offered to me when you know, there's a lot of people who have been in the property business for much longer than I have? But then the world became a very uncertain place. Uh, and, you know, I like I like niche businesses. Uh, and this wasn't just the property business. This was the flexible office sec- sector of the uh, office business. And I said at the time, um, you know, I think it's time has come. I don't think companies want to set, take 10, 15-year leases. And this has proved to be absolutely the case. And, in fact, London... Uh, is the world's largest market for flexible office space and has sort of led, led, led the field. Uh, and it's become a very hot sector now, and not only for small companies looking to take space, but indeed even you know, big national, international businesses who want to have flexible offices and also, interestingly, want to be near the smaller, younger companies and the vibe and the energy that comes from those uh, from those sorts of uh, uh, organisations. So it's become a, a sort of win-win for everybody. You make it sound easy looking back, and I know at the time you didn't say that. Warren Buffett was pretty good at calling stuff. I mean, people listening will go, what does Sir Lloyd think is happening next? Because it strikes me that your nose for the things that are evolving are pretty good, and we'll come on to Doddle. Um, but where's that nose been developed? Where's that sense of what might be hot come from, do you think? Because you keep doing it. Well, I've had a couple of successful outings. Uh, you know, there's one or two things also haven't worked out quite as well. But, you know, that's that's the whole thrill and spills of being involved in business, you know. Uh, and, uh, look, I... You know, people thought with TravelX I was a currency expert. I was never a currency expert. We followed the markets up, we followed them down. What I am, what I think I am, is a builder of businesses, uh, and um, you know, to br- and to bring to bear uh, whatever energy, enthusiasm, and thinking I can to help build and develop these businesses. And today, you know, as a uh, you know, as a family, we invest in businesses, but we. We, we're using our own money, we're not raising funds, we're not like a private equity company. And, and I, the style of investment is, I sort of, I call it sort of paternalistic investment. You know, we, we, we back people, we invest in businesses, an opportunity for them is an opportunity for us, a problem for them is a problem for us, and we're here to help. So Lloyd Dorfman is my business shaper today, um, and we've been talking about the nose for the deal and um, where that comes from. I don't think you can teach that stuff. I have a feeling you've either got it or you haven't. And as you said very humbly, well, there's only been a couple of good outings. I mean, yeah, but they've been pretty significant, haven't they? The other thing that strikes me, and it's something that you you are asked often, I know, which is you could have, after the first deal, done what many people do, which is get your golf clubs, sit back, relax, get bored probably very quickly. You didn't. Why didn't you? What is it within you that said, you know what, I'm a worker and I want to do more? Well, I mean, well, firstly, yes. I mean, you know, I'm, I've been, I've, I've been used to having lots of plates spinning, doing lots of stuff. I mean, the prospect of, you know, walking around a golf course talking about the price of health insurance, uh, you know, was not something that, that I felt very excited about. And also, you know, my wife and I, you know, we, we're married for life, but not for lunch. Uh, and you know, I don't, I'm not interested in horse racing, and I don't want to own a football team. 
Uh, and when you've done stuff, you want to do more stuff. And a uh, very, very good friend of mine, a very distinguished 86-year-old who's still very active, said to me, Lloyd, you know, life's a bicycle. You stop pedaling, you fall off. And I think it's important to remain current and to be involved. And, you know, I've seen so much and experienced so much. And, you know, if I can bring some of that to bear in terms of other business opportunities or even across my sort of philanthropic portfolio, um, that's what sort of gets me up in the morning. And what about Sir, Sir Lloyd Peake? You know, people talk about peak and when you have your moment. And often people say, well, it's between your mid-40s and your mid-50s. I'm looking to the skies and saying, I hope so. Um, but for you, obviously, it, it feels like there doesn't really seem to be a decade which is particularly important. You've, done, you've been at a peak level for a long time. How do you maintain that? Well, again, by just sort of remaining involved and active. And, you know, although I'm sort of no longer involved in Travelex, uh, you know, I'm as busy as I've ever been across a very eclectic portfolio of both business and not-for-profit not stuff. Uh, and, you know, I try and keep fit and I try and keep active. And, uh, and I, you know, I like, you know, I like to have lots of plates spinning and lots of things to think about. I mean, that's sort of how I do it. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's sort of, you know you, you, you know, you spend all these years, you know, I'm 65. I'd like to think I was a young 65. You know, what's 65 today anyway? You know, uh, 60 is the new 40, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you see people like Rupert Murdoch at 86, 7, you know, still punching away. And, you know, I've got friends who, you know, are still actively involved in their businesses. Um, and... I think it's a good thing. Would you, if you felt you weren't as sharp as you wanted to be, would you go, hold on a minute, I need to scale back, I need to do less? And have you ever felt that tiredness that you didn't feel five years ago, ten years ago, or is that not a, not part of the Saloid equation? No, I've never felt it. I've never felt it. And, uh, uh, you know, if anything, you know, the sort of the adrenaline around, you know, doing a deal helping some guys build a business uh yeah that's it's a sort of virtuous circle and and uh you know i'm not you know i i'm not sure i want to i wouldn't want to run anything day to day i've sort of been there done that um but absolutely to help people help other people do that and give the benefit of my experience and and and, and stuff i think that's sort of the best role i can play which is the role that, that i do play uh, and similarly with you know similarly with all the charities I'm involved in you know just to help help them yeah you know, these are businesses you know although they're charities it, you know it's good if the income exceeds the expenditure that's a healthy place to start uh, and making sure that you know the managements are focused on doing that as well as a- achieving their charitable objectives um, you know I. I've, you know, as far as charities are concerned, you know, I've I've been a donor, I've been a fundraiser, I've been a sponsor, I've been a trustee, I've been a chairman. I've seen charities in the best of times. I've seen charities in the worst of times, um, and I've got a lot of experience to offer there as well. More from my Jazz Shapers Encore guest, Sir Lloyd Dorfman, CBE, in a couple of minutes. But first, let's return to the new session podcast series. At the moment, Paddy O'Connell, with the help of Mishkondorea, is getting to the bottom of cryptocurrency and all the questions that throws up. The News Sessions with Paddy O'Connell. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Jazz FM. 
Hello, welcome to the News Sessions. I'm Paddy O'Connell. In the past few years, whole currencies have been invented, called cryptocurrencies, which have absolutely nothing at all to do with the bank of any country. Today, we're going to open the vault of mystery about something now worth billions of pounds to ask what's in it for you and what about safety and tax. Here from law firm Mishkondorea, our tax lawyer, Helen Cox. Hello, Helen. Hi there. And cybersecurity lead, Joe Hancock. Hello, Joe. Hello. We know the risks of not making a will. If you don't make a will, the state gets it and then decides whether or not to give it to someone in your family. It's, it's a very big piece of advice. If you're listening and you haven't written a will, write a will. Uh, <laughs> but on the subject of dying with cryptocurrency, if I haven't ascribed its v- value to anyone, if I haven't sold it or given it away, it's in my hardware wallet it could just remain in the ether, kicking around with my name on it, and I'm gone. Absolutely, and it might not even have your name on it. I mean, these currencies, you know, there's no way really to attribute a particular currency holding to a person. They are pseudonymous to a certain degree. This is why they've been used for nefarious purpose previously. If you haven't told somebody that you've got these holdings, you haven't, you know, captured that somewhere, be it in a will or another document, these may never be found. They may just continue there in the ether for time immemorial. And then if it's my password to get into the hardware wallet or whatever it is, it may be that my loved ones never even know how to get it out. I could be sitting on a cryptocurrency cash pile fortune, enormous bonanza, and they'll never be able to get it. Exactly. So, I mean, exactly. that goes in, that's hand in hand with all the way we need to get our affairs in order. We need to tell loved ones our Facebook password. We need to tell them on our death. We need yep. to have a special folder, don't we, of all this stuff, including how to get at my cryptocurrency. Yeah, but it also needs to be kept securely because ultimately if somebody you know, breaks into your house and steals your personal information and they've got your keys to, and, and your hardware wallet in, in their hands, then they're going to be able to take your cryptocurrency. It's all, so you have it, to think about security. The New Sessions podcast with Paddy O'Connell from Mishkondorea. Find more of the New Sessions podcasts dealing with key legal matters on iTunes. You're listening to Jazz Shapers here on Saturday morning with me, Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. There are lots of ways you can listen to this program. All you need to do is, for example, search Jazz Shapers wherever you listen to your podcasts. Podcasts could be in iTunes, Deezer, Spotify, TuneIn and Stitcher to name but a few. We've got our own Jazz Shapers channel on your Amazon or Google smart speaker and just ask it to play Jazz Shapers. But back to today right now, uh, Sir Lloyd Dorfman has been with me and we've been talking about where life is at in 2018 for Sir Lloyd and um, lots and lots has happened. I wanted to talk about money for a second because what we mentioned earlier was the fact that you're just as lively, just as busy, just as um, interested in the world and interested in business and interested in doing things as you ever were. And obviously and publicly, Travelex sold for a lot of money. Um, the office group deal was a lot of money in pretty much anybody's terms doesn't seem to have touched the sides for you emotionally. I don't mean in terms of practical impact of money. That's all very good. What is it about your relationship with money? Can you just tell me what kind of relationship you have? Does it make any difference to you on a daily basis, what you have in the bank or wherever else? <laughs> Look, I mean, you know, I, I decided at a fairly early age at school that it was better to have money than not to have money. And... Therefore, making it was always quite important to me. And, you know, the only way I could think to do that was really to build a business. Um, And, you know, I think if you're fortunate enough to make money at any level, 
the important thing is to uh, is to you know be sensible about it and to uh, to put something back mm. at whatever level um, and to be thoughtful generous and um, and just a decent citizen about it as well. And I want to come on to the philanthropy because you're a significant, as you, you touched on all the different areas that you've been involved in, but you're a significant giver-backer, as it were. But in terms of affecting decision-making, 1976, you open up your first really small little shop. Yeah. Today, you're making different decisions. Does the fact that you've got money in the bank make any difference to the way you analyse a situation? Or an opportunity. Uh, look, I mean, you know, business is about uh, you know it's, it's about appetite for risk, uh, and I suppose you know if you've got money in the bank, you're prepared to uh, you theoretically you're prepared to take on more risk. You're certainly able to take on more risk. Although sometimes I think you know when you've got nothing, you know often you know you got nothing to lose, and therefore you, perhaps you take on things uh, that you know you can sometimes think too hard about. Well, know? I just wonder. That's that was really my point. I wonder if you've become more conservative with a small C than you might have realised. Uh, no, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, I don't think I've you know the nose, the enthusiasm to back people to be involved in in the business opportunity to particularly as i said before you know i like niche businesses uh you know i like startups backing people uh these are all things which you know i don't think ever quite leave you and you know if i was that concerned about about taking on risk probably you know i should shouldn't do any of it and get on that golf course why is being decent so important to you because did you did you feel like that before you had the money that you have now if you'd had a hundred quid in your pocket would you be giving 10 percent or whatever it is that you do well i don't understand why i don't understand why if you have money you shouldn't behave if you do what difference does money make and how you behave i mean you should behave properly responsibly decently uh, as an individual vis-a-vis relationships towards society towards all sorts i mean i just i don't Mm. yeah i i think um if you're asking me if having money has changed my attitude to people or anything, the answer is I'd like to think no, absolutely mm. no. I'd like to think I was the same bloke if we'd have been having this interview, well, you wouldn't have been interested in me sort of 40 years ago, but, I mean, if we'd been having this interview back then, you know, I hope I'm the same bloke I was now that I was then. You strike me as a very proper person, which may sound like a ridiculously <laughs> um, non-deferential thing for me to say to you, but you you do. I imagine that you always were. So where's And that's really a part of the decent thing. Where has that sense of what's right come from? Is that a familial thing? Well, I think it's, yes, I think it is. I think, you know, it's my upbringing um, and, you know, my wife and I have been married for 44 and a half years. Don't forget the half. Uh, <laughs> Please don't forget the half. Don't forget your anniversary. But, but the, 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 the happiness that you derive from life, Sir Lloyd, is it at its highest when you're giving? Is it at its highest when you're with your family? Is it at its highest when you're doing the deal? I think it's, yeah, it's a combination of all those things. You know, I think, um, look, you know, I love family um i love doing deals and being involved with 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 great people and building businesses 
um, you know, our philanthropic activity is both a privilege and a pleasure. Um, and hopefully, you know, hopefully, you know, I, we are making a difference in a lot of the things we do. Um, and why wouldn't you want to try and make the world a better place in whatever way you can and however you can do it? I mean, you make it sound very obvious that that would be the way to lead your life. But the thing that strikes me underneath that is the fact that you probably cope well with stress. What happens when you're having to encounter a stressful situation? How do you deal yeah, with it? Look, I mean, you know, in life, things don't go from bottom left to top right in a straight line. You know, it's more of a zigzag, hopefully in an upward direction. Uh, and, you know, I wouldn't want you to think that, you know, every day is complete utopian bliss because that's just not life and yes you know over 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 time there are stressful periods uh business personal experiences that happen um and you know i'd like to think i cope with them reasonably well um what the recipe for that is i'm not too sure but but you know, you've got to be prepared. You know, if you're going to build businesses and do things, you've got to be prepared to cope with problems and issues. And you sleep well. I mean, there's that. I mean, you manage all that because, again, yeah. when you're dealing with mega issues, people often can't process them super well. Yeah, I mean, my sort of head, head hits the pillow, and you know, I'll, I'll fall asleep, and I might wake up a few times during the night, but but probably get uh, comes with age. Um, you know, both my wife and I are morning people. You know, we can conquer the world at six o'clock in the morning. We're not so good around 11 o'clock midnight at night. <laughs> Stay with me for my final chat with Sir Lloyd Dorfman today. Um, and I'll be up shortly. Plus, we'll be hearing some music from Carmen McRae. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mish Condorea. It's business, but it's personal. More time. That was Carmen McRae with Just Give Me More Time. Well, we don't have that much more time, so I'm hoping to cram in a bit more insight um, or elicit some more insight from my business shaper today. That's Sir Lloyd Dorfman on this Encore special. Over the last few years, and in fact decades, you have been given many, many, many titles. You've been honoured in many ways. Obviously, you've just been made a sir. A lot of people would let that go to their head. Again, it strikes me six years later, and you're chair of the Prince's Trust. You've been made an honorary colonel, I believe, and I hope I get this right, of the 3rd Battalion Princess's World Royal Regiment. Good, I got that right. First time I've interviewed a colonel, I think. Um, Or honorary colonel, I should say. All these things, I mean, massively impressive. Where do you put it in your head? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I don't don't really sort of think about it. You know, look, it... Recognition, you know, recognition, uh, you know, uh, in the Queen's uh, recent uh, honours list, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's a lovely and special thing. Um, you know, I, um, one of the funniest conversations I had was with my 12-year-old, grand, 12-year-old grandson trying to explain to him that it wasn't hereditary. Um, <laughs> That's I mean, a shame. He got, he got, like, but come on. <laughs> he got all excited, thought he was going to be a sir. Um, and I mean the the honorary colonel thing. I mean, that, I mean, the coming together of two totally unrelated things. I won't bore you with the story now, but you know, which happened around, funny enough, around the same time as the knighthood. And incredible uh, honor and privilege to uh, to do that. An interesting appointment on their part 
to uh, to appoint a businessman as uh, as an honorary colonel, and and that's, I mean, you know, I mean, it's basically a sort of ambassadorial role, but I think there's an opportunity to be more engaged if you want, and there'll be an interesting conversation between, you know, the army and where they are, and risk and business and how you evolve and develop things. So that's that'll be an interesting conversation, which which will hopefully develop. But also, you you know, you drive past on the south bank, and there it is. It's the Dorfman Theatre. I mean, that must you've got to privately go. Well, that's quite nice, even if you can't publicly say. Well, you know, there must be yeah. an element of super super depth of pride in that. Yeah, and I think that's the, that's it. I mean, huge pride, mm-hmm. uh, huge pride that you know we were able to do this, and it sort of capped. You know, a long and very uh, fruitful relationship with the National Theatre, and you know, w- a relationship which began over a silly conversation over dessert at a dinner party back in two thousand and three, that ended up uh, leading to the Travelex cheap ticket season. That's now fifteen years on. That ended up me going on the board of the National Theatre and ending up me me, me giving or being the lead donor for their capital campaign and and they renamed the the then Cottesloe as the Dorfman Theatre. So, look, I I think, you know, again, to support a a sort of not just London but national institution, world-class leading institution like the National Theatre is, is again, a privilege and a pleasure. And I suppose, yes, it's a legacy, you know, to have done that and to associate our family name with 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 our relation to embody the relationship we have with the National Theatre there, yeah, it's a very special thing. And hopefully, my great grandchildren and great great grandchildren will, you know, will be pleased that we had that association. I want to return to the first question I asked, which was around chapters and books, and I, it said. It- what I love about your story is it's just that you've written this yourself. You weren't given anything, as it were. You decided you were going to do Travelex. You've moved on to property. You're interested in the things you're interested in, the arts. You've given back. You've, re- you've, you've just decided what you're going to do next. What's the next chapter for you? So, uh, look, I mean, uh, on the business side, you know, we're, we're very excited about the development of Doddle, which is this... Uh, Click and collect uh, retail IT platform that we've been developing. Team are doing an amazing job. You know, this is a very hot space. The whole e-commerce, uh, click and collect. I mean, around the world, uh, you know, we're we're going to shortly be uh, launching the business in Australia, um, and we're doing some really exciting things here. Having some incredible conversations with all, with all the major players, uh, both in retailing and also technology, and that's an exciting development. And then uh, with my son Charles, who's a producer and actor, we we we've made a commitment late last year to start building up a, uh, a group of media-related businesses um, uh, under the umbrella of what we've imaginatively called Dorfman Media Holdings. Uh, as I say, it's not exactly Disney Corporation yet, but we've started the journey, and you know, hopefully, I'll revisit this conversation with you in about 20, 30 years' time, assuming we're still here. Uh, and you know we're doing some really exciting things uh, in the in the sort of in, in both financing film and TV, in producing, and also in investing in uh, media businesses which service the media world. Uh, and a, a very yeah, exciting space to be in. You know you'll be aware of the, the the amount of money that's going into content at the moment from the likes of Amazon and Netflix. And uh, so if we can help. You know, finance, produce, and service that that market. Then that's that seems an interesting thing to do. And then philanthropically, you know, I um, 
Um, you know, I'm on the board. I, I came off the board of the National Theatre after nine and a half years. I'm on the board of the Opera House. Uh, I'm on the board of BAFTA. Um, I'm a sort of walking cultural attaché uh, between theatre, opera, ballet, film, TV, Princess Trust. You know, I chair Princess Trust and Princess Trust International. Uh, there's a sort of I'm going to be directing a lot of my efforts towards building up the international side, which is which has only been going for about three and a half years. Um, and that's an area that, uh, and it's a great privilege to, you know, to work with the Prince of Wales to help sort of give effect to his philanthropic ambition, and to help young people uh, get into some form of education, training, or employment around the world. So I've got lots to do. He's not very busy, says Sir Lloyd, but good luck. Um, and I do Thank hope we see you in 20 years. We'll have that conversation. You, did, we'll be going, who? Disney Corporation? Never heard of them. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Elliot. Thank you very much. Thank you. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. We hope you enjoyed that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or head over to mishkondorea.com forward slash jazz shapers.